welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we will be discussing episode five of Six Feet Under, season one, titled An Open Book. Uh, I have my first guest on the podcast today, Marcelo Pico. Marcelo? Uh, hello, Victor. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Um, and instead of me laying your credentials and whatnot and introducing you, uh, <laughs> I want you to please go ahead to you know lay down your credentials, tell everyone everyone what you do yeah um i currently i'm the editor-in-chief of talkfilmsociety.com mm-hmm. uh, the, it's a newly launched film review film analysis website uh, a lot of great writers over there um just turning out articles about pretty much anything film related and uh, i'm also a podcaster i've been doing it for about two years now uh have the i have the talk from society podcast i have hey what you watching <laughs> and a few others that you know I could go on and on about, but go to talkfromsociety.com, find out all the podcasts I do. It's maybe too much for one person to handle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you have a few people that do it with you, but I, I you know, I, I had found you through Twitter. I don't right. know if uh, I don't even know if I had told you this that, but I was basically just searching six feet under and just literally just tweeting at people who were say watching six feet under. And I would just throw my tweet in there and then i saw that because you did the episode with uh from first to last where the podcast where they do the first episode of a season and the finale the last episode and then you had done the six feet under one and with that being said i mean i listened to the episode but just to give our audience just give your you know as quickly as a capsule of you can just your thoughts and experience you know with six feet under absolutely um on that show I can't remember if I said this, but I, uh, I always go back and forth on this. I, th- I believe Six Feet Under is my favorite show of all time. Oh, okay. Um, I, because it just hit me with just so much force. And it deals with a topic that uh, I'm still like trying to struggle with as, you know, growing old, as, as anybody does, uh, death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the show just pretty much tackles that subject with so much... Uh, I don't know what to call it, pathos, so much, uh, so, with, with such ease, like, mm-hmm. with, with these characters that you connect with, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, I, I love it, Yeah, that, I, I was kind of clamoring to do that episode of First to Last with, uh, with Sean, because I was like, you know, what better show to talk about the first episode and the last episode than that, um, I, I don't want to spoil things, right? Because we're we're going episode by episode, but we're yeah. going episode by episode, yeah. But yeah, but just those, you know, those two episodes in particular are kind of special to me, um, kind of uh, major moments in my life. Just uh, the beginning, the start of a show, uh, the, this show in particular, just moving me. And then the finale really moved me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's it's a special show to me, I guess, to encapsulate it. You have no idea. I mean, doing this doing this podcast and having watched this show so many times. There's parts of me where I just want to wake up and I just want to do the finale. Just I'm just going to oh, yeah. cut through four seasons and I just want to discuss cuz I mean honestly when you see the video of a certain part of the finale it's the same comment every time. I cried. I yeah. cried during the finale. There there's there's and I'm not a, a person who cries easily. I, that finale just makes you cry and it's just it's a long way to get there being that we're <laughs> here in season <laughs> 1 but uh, I can't wait to get to that finale, but like you said in that episode, just you know, your thoughts on the show. 
So with that being said, let's get into it. Uh, episode five of season one of Six Feet Under, titled An Open Book, which aired July 1st, 2001. And this episode was actually written by Alan Ball and directed by Kathy Bates. Did you know that it was directed by Kathy Bates? I, I actually forgot that she had directed a lot of episodes from Six Feet Under, and I was actually surprised. I mean, not surprised. I was really happy that this is going to be the one I was going to be discussing on the show because I love Kathy Bates. Yeah. And this is a particular favorite of mine. I saw she had 10 directing credits to her name. Yeah. She did five episodes here and then on Six Feet Under. She did an episode of NYPD Blue, Oz, and Everwood. I was trying to, while watching it, just trying to see like a, a signature Kathy Bates moment, but... I, I couldn't find anything in there, um, but it's just still cool that this was her first episode, and you know she's one of those legends, but under understated, I would say, right? I mean, absolutely, yeah. And and, and is it a spoiler to say that she uh, plays a, a character later on in Six Feet Under? <laughs> no, no, definitely no. Uh, yeah, she does. She becomes a pretty good, and I'm, and you know, I should have done more research on this, but I'm pretty sure she won an Emmy for her appearance on this show. Perhaps. I but, don't know that either. Yeah. Maybe I should have done research as well. Yeah, but. maybe we both should have. <laughs> <laughs> fine. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure she had won a Grammy, for, uh, an Emmy for this show. And yeah, she becomes a big character later on. Um, so that's cool that, you know, this is her first entry into it. Uh, we start our episode out with what I've been calling a death capsule. And it's our character, Jean Louise MacArthur. Her stage name in this show is Vivica St. John. In real life, she's Veronica Hart with a bunch of AKAs. If you just Google her to try and find out who she is, she has probably 10 or more different stage names. She is our, for lack of a better term, our porn star for this episode. And here in uh, you know the beginning of our death capsule, she's kind of you know self-gloating. And she's talking about her date coming up. And you think she's talking to a person... But it turns out it's a cat. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you know, there was not really much to this scene. But what, what I found funny in this little this little intro was she's telling the cat how, you know, the cat's lucky that she saved the cat. And she's kind of yelling at the cat. And then all of a sudden, ironically, the cat knocks over a, a hair roller. I don't know what that little device was, but knocks it over right into the tub and killing our our porn star here. Yeah. Um, I, I've listened to past episodes, Victor. Uh-huh. And, and I, th- is this what you would call six feet under humor? Yeah, you know, I had that written down right here and I kind of glossed over it. But yes, that's exactly six feet under humor. How exactly telling like, the cat yeah. I saved her and ironically the cat kills her. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's I, 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 I'd forgotten the, uh, the opening death of this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's. Uh, her being a former porn star at, at this point uh, when she dies she's like I think in her mid 40s I would say so yeah, yeah. And she's you know, looking herself in the mirror uh, nude and just saying how you know how attractive she is and and then just have her death be just that just her cat killing her is right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it, it, it's perfectly like like you were just saying it's perfectly what this show is about yeah, just uh, that, you know? uh, funny but you know of course incredibly sad and almost oh, almost pathetic not really uh but yeah it's <laughs> it's it's typical six feet under right exactly and it bleeds into our start of our episode where david is at church and something i wanted to get into kind of right off the bat is i don't know you know i don't know if you have much experience with anything regarding funeral industry or just funerals in general but how important the church is in relation to 
a funeral home in the funeral industry because you figure whenever you have your person who dies you know your your mass or your service is generally held at a church so and this show kind of starts to toy with it of how important the church is to for you know your business you know um the way i when i had listened to your your podcast i got the feeling and i'm not going to speak for you and you know i'll give you the floor but i have a feeling you're more of a spiritual person than a religious person yes uh you, you've got that right victor um yeah i my family uh is catholic um mm-hmm. but i just kind of uh, ran away from that at an early mm-hmm. age and um developed my own type of uh spirituality that i kind of follow i'm 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 in a uh, oh my god uh i forgot the term for it agnostic there you go there so you yeah, go uh-huh. yeah i don't i don't go to church regularly or at all so yeah that's that's where i stand on this and it, it's funny is you know the, the amount of times i attend church for work you know you got to oh. figure if i'm doing x amount of funerals a week i'm there seeing it every time and I'm 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 like you. I, I I would say I'm somewhat spiritual. I'm not completely, you know. I believe in something. What I don't know, but I believe in something. Right. And when you attend, you know, these services and, and these messes and whatnot as much as I do, it it takes away from the, I want to say, the aura of religion, because it. I mean, in the end, you could say what you want about religion, whatnot. I'm I'm definitely not going to get into you know what religion is, but it is a show when when you do the service and the mess. It's it's. It's not entertainment, but it's a show. It's it's you're providing your your faith to religion. So when I when I when you see it as much as I do, it it just kind of takes away from it. You know, just imagine being there, as someone who's not religious. You know, x amount of times a week and whatnot. And that's kind of affected me. That's kind of one of the um, how do I say the cons of being a funeral director. You know, right, right. Uh, just doing it over and over just reveals right. how um, artificial it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that. Yeah. And here you could see, you know, David is still in the closet as, you know, the gay character in this series. And you could see how it affects him, you know, when he's in church. And he, there's that quick glimpse where he sees everyone naked. And when I had read about that, David seeing everyone naked in church was completely... The little research I was able to do on the show was that that was completely Kathy Bates' idea. Um, and it really lends to, like, his character because... You know, it's a huge issue he's dealing with, that him being a closeted, you know, a closet gay person. And keep in mind too, I always like to say that this is 2001. It's a completely different world in relation to, you know, the gay community. And well, when they're outside of the church, I like the twist of when David's talking to, I call her Mitzi. I don't know if that's her real name, but this little mousy girl that kind of keeps following David. You know, I like the twist of David having to be the one that lies to her, to Mitzi that he's he's with someone. Right. And usually in shows, it's any even in real life, it's the girl who has to lie. I'm engaged. I'm with someone. I have a boyfriend. And I just yeah, like yeah. the little the switch there. Yeah, but yeah, he's the one just trying to uh, just get, get away from this away. person. Yeah, who, <laughs> right. who made her first appearance in the pilots? Yeah. And who, um, yeah, I, 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 having rewatched the pilot for, fairly recently for that podcast, first and mm-hmm. last, um, I, I knew she she came back eventually, and, and yeah, this is the episode where she comes back, and yeah, I'm like, I, I mean, there's a reason why David would want to uh, get away from this person because she seems kind of uh, not well, <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> a, a bit too high strung, a, a bit too, uh, way too 
too much of a high energy for for David at this point. I mean, to even keep as a friend, you know, <laughs> she's just too much. Let let alone a uh, let alone yeah, let alone someone to be you know get involved with and whatnot. So I don't blame David at this point. <laughs> exactly. I I probably would say the same too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we move to we have Nate and Brenda in the pool and. As I've been saying the past few episodes in the podcast is their relationship is so complex and knowing how it turns out, how it plays out is, you know, we're scratching the surface of their relationship. What I liked, what we started to see here is, you know, how honest, how honest Nate is to Brenda. And, you know, he says to her while they're in the pool, he just says to her, I'm scared of you. And that's like a, you know, that's a real honesty bearing your soul moment that he has with her you know yeah, exactly um and I, I i like it uh, because it kind of plays in with the entire theme of the show um, and, and you see that at this point in episode five where um where nate's is is uh concerned about you know mortality about his mm-hmm. own death and and yeah i i could see why uh he'd be intrigued by uh, by brenda at this point because like like you said he says uh, you scare me so he he kind of wants to uh, unwrap that and and, uh, and and get to know her and get to know the mystery of her. Um, right. Kind of like how he's dealing with 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 his own you know father's death and his own death. So yeah, yeah. it's it's an intriguing relationship at this point. And I liked here that there was a it was sort of a flashback to our early episode where now it's Brenda's parents who catch them. They're not doing anything sexual, but they are, you know, nude in the pool. And I like the parents catching, as if you remember a few episodes earlier, where Ruth walks in on David doing something sexual oh, to Brenda. Right. You know, so I just kind of like the their relationships start out with being caught in, quote unquote, the act, you know. Yeah, uh, trying to keep things undercover. and <laughs> We see with Brenda that there is no such thing as doing that. It's everything is bared open. You yeah, know. especially yeah. In this episode, I mean, it's it's uh, it's titled "An Open Book" and exactly not just with Brenda's past, but you know, a lot of people's pasts. And this, their secrets come out in the open. So it's uh, I, and I'll just say, like at this point in the show for me, episode five, this is when I really got into the show. I think the first four episodes, really? I was like, okay, let's see where this goes. But I think the ending with the last episode and now this, like, I'm fully invested in the characters and. And I, I love that we're talking about this one because a lot of stuff happens in this that is you know pivotal uh, in the show. Uh, and having this episode five uh, about halfway through the season, I think it's it, it, it's great for a show like this. Yeah, I'd say that's a great point that every character moves forward a little bit. If if we were like on a on a if we were like on a, a track or something, each character for whatever their own arc is, each one of them moves up just a little bit. There's right. there's progressive, like you're saying. Um, and kind of like you were saying before that, you know, to try to keep anything on the wraps, the way Brenda introduces Nate to her parents, he just says, you know, hi, this is Nate, the person I'm having sex with. There is just, there is, there's no filter. There's no like, well, is he your boyfriend? Is he not? It's just straight out there, the person I'm having sex with him. That's Brenda, you know, and you'll, you'll see over the, the course of the series that that's just that's Brenda. And then I liked here too, as, as, as it wraps up with this scene is uh, Brenda's parents, when Nate's in the pool naked and Brenda's out, they kind of do the head tilt <laughs> and they're just, they're just bluntly, blatantly checking out Nate in the pool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that's what they do because our, uh, 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 remind me of this. Cause I, it's been a while yeah. since I've seen these episodes, but I think she does mention in the pilot though, that uh, her parents, Brenda's parents are psychiatrists, right? Both of them. <laughs> 
it may not be in the pilot, but yes, yeah, she definitely mentions it. Yeah, so they're always observing, and they do the, they do this throughout the episode, especially in the pull scene. Just what Nate is is up to, like uh, I guess they're trying to, as as he puts it, uh, a bit later on, mind f him, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, without a doubt, they are. His whole family is doing that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this bleeds into our scene with Ruth and Claire, and just like you were saying, they take a huge step in their relationship and their character arc here. You know it. They, their storyline starts out with Ruth and Claire. They're speaking with a school counselor. And my take here was they're trying to fix it in the most normal way possible. Just going to see a counselor. And their relationship, it can't be fixed normally. They are not normal. There is no fixing this type of relationship. Uh, what did you think about kind of just the start of their, their arc this episode? Yeah, I, I I didn't have time to revisit the past episodes, but I had to be reminded that in the previous episode, right, Claire had stolen a foot from... Uh, I believe that was... Yes, that was two episodes ago. Okay, okay. And and I think this is them trying to, you know, deal with that uh, because the the advisor there in, uh, at school was mm-hmm. just trying to uncover what the relationship between Claire and Ruth uh, essentially is. And yeah, I... I oh boy, like... They, them trying to connect is is painful to watch only because i i kind of relate to it uh mm-hmm. i mean ruth is is trying to be a, a a a good mother to to claire trying to connect with her but claire of course is 17 years old uh, uh, <laughs> in her own head um just uh, you know the, the kind of the typical mother-daughter relationship Right. And yeah, it's it's painful. Um, this this scene in particular, they're just shouting at each other, and then the advisor just leaves because hey, he said it, it's a good start. But of course, they haven't <laughs> they haven't really accomplished anything. <laughs> right. Uh, if you knew if you knew the relationship as it goes on, and maybe this is me imparting what I know in the future, but there is no way I'm gonna say there's no way for Ruth and Claire or even anyone in this show can be fixed or whatever the word right. you want to use is by a therapist. There is there. There's just this. The, the the show is just way too messed up for it to be fixed as simple as seeing a therapist. Then yeah, it's it's a good jumping off point. This scene because the advisor just leaves like five <laughs> minutes in, and, right. and yeah, and, and us, the audience, and them, the characters, we know that. Yeah, he's not gonna be able to fix them. They have to they have to find their own solution to this. Yeah, exactly. When Ruth brings videos for right. Claire to watch <laughs> and blockbuster, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, go picture that right. And th- th- there, there are certain things in this show that dates itself, and that's one of them. Blockbuster. Right. Right. Bringing videos from Blockbuster. <laughs> like, you know. Um, you know, I thought it was so cute when she brings the videos and she's so happy. But the way Claire kind of reacts is it breaks my heart, you know, because she's so happy to see the videos. And then we see Claire is just, you know, just laughing her ass off at how stupid it is. And her Ruth character, that just breaks my heart. Yeah. Uh, again, she's just a mother trying to connect with her daughter, but uh, Ruth just doesn't know exactly at this point how to do that. I mean, what are the movies she brings? Like Nutty Professor. I think 2? it's Nutty Professor, Doctor Doolittle, and something else. Yeah, just the wrong movies to bring to a seventeen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and what's funny about this is that she has a little bit of a freak out where Claire says the perfect relationship doesn't exist. She wants it, but. It just doesn't exist. And then what kind of foreshadows what happens in our episode is that they see the quote-unquote perfect relationship. 
with this just picture perfect mother and daughter. And so, something I wanted to think about or talk about here is being that this is a, you know a form of media and whatnot, and it's illustrated in definitely other forms, other TV shows. Do you think somewhere out there that this type of perfect relationship exists? I I do believe so. Um, <laughs> really? I think, okay, I think this is me, and I don't think I've met these people, but mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling they're out there. And, and one line in particular kind of hit me, like uh, uh, Claire says towards the end of the episode that they're cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And living in Texas, uh, I just picture a lot of moms and daughters like this like, <laughs> going to like uh, football games, like get, being really pally with each other. I think they're out there. I haven't met them. Right. I have a feeling they're out there. I have to say, if I was, if if I took the scenario where I walked into Ruth and Claire into their living room, and I walked into Ruth's, I think I believe it's her cousin in this episode, and their their uh, mom and mom and uh, daughter. If I walked into both those living rooms, I would be so much. And maybe this says more about me than it does about them. I'd feel so much more comfortable in the Fisher house. <laughs> take, take take away the funeral home. Just just make it a house. Right. I'd feel so much more comfortable in that dysfunction than I would in that picture perfect. Everything is great house. You know, it's very Stepford Wives, <laughs> right? It's yeah. It, it does kind of kind of scare me. I mean, not not to take anything away from you know real relationships where mm-hmm. it's between the mother and daughter where it, it's healthy, but it just seems. The quote-unquote picture-perfect relationship that that those two have seem kind of unhealthy because again, Claire puts another uh, spin on it. She says they're not, you know, normal because they're kind of going after the same guy. <laughs> yeah, weird. what is that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm uncomfortable to speak with my friends about, let's just say, you know, people I find attractive. I couldn't imagine with my own parents. Yeah, just sitting. <laughs> I just, I couldn't. I just couldn't imagine it. You know. To answer my own question that I asked you, that it exists, I think it exists, but I think those people are just better at hiding what's under the surface. Probably, yeah. That that's a good point. Yeah, you know, all, all smiles up top, but really just uh, yeah, trying to probably. hide something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we see our our woman who died in the death capsule, and what's her real name? I'm sorry, because I go back and forth. Is she Vivica? She's Vivica St. John in this episode. Vivica St. John. I don't know. Yeah, because in the um, the opening titles, her her you know, born on to death date. They, she, there's two names, but I don't know the other. Yeah, name. the the, the fir- her real name in this show is Jean Louise MacArthur. Her stage name is Vivica St. John. Her go. real name. Her real name, oh, I'm sorry, her real porn actress name is Veronica Hart. There we go. Okay. So I'm going to try and stick with Vivica St. John for the sake of our episode. But when we see her after she had died, she's in the prep room, the embalming room, and she's laid out on the table. And the way that she is on her, you know, it kind of gratuitously shows her breast. And this is something here as a funeral director is... There's no one laying in the prep room, the embalming room, with the sheet just showing their breast. The sheets kind of go, you know, because there, there is some, you know, you have to have some form of dignity while they're there. You know, a lot of, kind of just like this show and everything, there's, that's an embalming room. They're just people on tables. Here, like I said, it, they, they have the sheet just so they could show, and it's for the sake of this particular episode that they have this sheet right below, but 
a sheet always goes usually up to the neck and if not kind of the sheet goes over the head so I just thought that was something important to point out that if you have a loved one out there and she's in a funeral home the sheet's not up like that you know that's that would be pretty disheartening to you know to see and whatnot but you got to keep in mind that this is a TV show when Rico Rico and Nate kind of get into how do I say they're talking about her films of when she's performed and you know I, I get Nate being a, a novice at this where let, let, let's say it's disrespectful kind of what they're doing right yeah, I think the so way, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I get Nate being you know him him not understanding you know the ropes yet and as a funeral director, you learn the cur- the course of language over time. You know, you learn when to when to speak about them. What I what I liked here was that it kind of sucks that David has to be the one to kill the fun, and he expresses it when he you know he takes Nate aside and he says, "You know, you can't do that. You're you're an old, you're you're a fisher. You have to lead an example. You know." Yeah, uh, and and it's uh, it's David who says to to Nate that uh, you have to. Not not do that in front of uh, their employee, uh, right, uh, uh, Federico. So, yeah. I, I, again, it, it's it's David once again playing that role uh, of just trying to counter against Nate's view on you know the the business and life in general. He's more of freewheeling kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, a hippie. Right, um, right. But and and but David has to just keep being that. Uh, superior, that the, the much more restrained person, uh, and and give just a bit of respect to to, to the deceased. And, and it shouldn't have to be said, but I understand it being said. Our next scene is when Nate is invited over to Brenda's parents' house, and what we find out once Nate gets there, and like you were saying earlier, just a total total mind bleep. Nate's under the assumption that it's going to be the four of them. And when he comes to the house, he finds out that Brenda isn't there. Yeah, which was, uh, having rewatched this after, after a few years of, uh, well, this is my first time seeing it for a while. Right. I, forgot that, I forgot that this had happened, but then I was, I was like, <laughs> oh, well, it's typical Brenda. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and, and her family. And what a thing to do. I would not know what to do in this situation if I was I ha- going, out, going out with somebody and <laughs> tricked because that's what happened, you know, tricked into going on a dinner date with, you know, my girl, you know, girlfriend, whoever I'm with, right. parents, uh, just being blindsided, uh, you know, not to jump ahead, but I think Nate took it like I think I would. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I have to say, even if my girlfriend was there, even when my girlfriend is there, I'm still uncomfortable. And it's yeah. just it's just a relationship that one has with their in-laws or whatever whatever relationship you have. Having be there by myself, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine. You know, I, I, yeah. it, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, I, uh, one thing they, I know it's an hour show. If they had more time, uh, I would have loved to see more of Nate at that at that little get together. <laughs> right, right. There was definitely a, a few great moments, uh, kind of like you said how Nate took. You would take it exactly how Nate did. I love when Nate he asks for his drink, and, and I, I like the little details like this in the show because Nate asks uh, Brenda's mother asks what he would like to drink, and Nate asks for a beer, and she kind of scoffs at him and it's like no no we don't have beer we have spirits only 
boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you know, exactly, exactly. It's, it, it's, it's, I understand not having a beer. Well, no, I don't understand. <laughs> but no, it's just, I, I can understand maybe not having beer at your house at the time. Saying yeah. spirits only, that's like everything I need to know about you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, boy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, because at, at every step, it seems like they're they're judging him. Every step. They're every step. They're analyzing his every response. Especially, I mean, it, it's a direct thing. Uh, it, well, it gets to that point when um, he finally says bourbon, right? He says, yes. He uh, And exactly like you were saying, he says bourbon, and then the mother even analyzes that, which yeah. is what you were... And there's, there's a shot of the father just looking at him, kind of stone-faced, or just, I don't know what yeah. kind of look he's giving him, like another sideways glance, and oh boy, like, uh, again, to be in Nate's shoes, just what is going on? Just it's, uh, Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't be judged at every move I was making, and even my drink, and say what you want to say about bourbon, I don't know, I'm not a huge drinker, but say whatever you want, I don't know, you know, I know what I drink and whatnot, For, to say bourbon and get that analyzed, it's like, well... <laughs> there's no winning here <laughs> you know <laughs> but i like here too and and it's part of it that uh, that's why i have an off and on relationship how 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 they treat nate here is that the mom bluntly tells nate that brenda's a master manipulator and to hear that about your girlfriend is probably ooh that's that that you know that makes you feel something inside but it is also kind of refreshing to know that from the start right yeah um, I was just about to get into something I should not talk about on the podcast, but yeah, just, just to be given that information at the start, you know, would be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, at this point, Nate and Brenda have known each other for a few months. I think he says, right? And and yeah, um, uh, and it's funny that this is uh, this is happening right after he says, you know, you scare me to Brenda earlier in the poll, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now he's just getting pretty much. All uh, more than he bargained for at this point. Knowing absolutely much every not everything, but a lot about her, and, and knowing just where she might be coming from, it, it it's a lot to take in for Nate. Yep, yep. And, and I have to say too, as an audience, it's a lot to take in because I I, I want to go over it again. Is that me and you when we're watching this, we know what's coming. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> we know we know why they're like this. I wish I could. I wish I. There's parts of me at times I wish I could be doing this from the first time because. I feel like we would be talking about it much differently, you know, yeah. uh, because um, they at this point they've they've uh, painted Brenda as as a mysterious figure, you know, much from Nate's point of view. And uh, yeah, let me just try to go back and think of how I felt about this the first time. Um, I and 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 yeah, I don't want to jump ahead. Go ahead. Obviously, ahead. but uh, I'll jump ahead j- just until the reveal of, of her brother. Uh, that mm-hmm. was a surprise to me, and that happens uh, yeah. later in this episode. But yeah, it just just there's a lot happening with Brenda, and it just keeps going on from here. Not just this episode, but cont- you know further episodes. Her arc overall, um, there's a lot that happens. And refresh me. I-, I believe I remember hearing you say that you had first watched this. You first watched this show when it had ended. Um, how, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you started your first watch? Uh, let me think back now. Um, I'm going to guess I was like 20, no, 22. I okay. think I first saw this. We're somewhat close in age then. The reason why I ask is because when I had first watched this, I, I didn't, and I, you were saying parts of that parts of this in your first to last pod uh first last podcast episode you did i couldn't fully comprehend everything i wasn't old enough to right 
Yeah, now, I mean, just just uh, just going through this episode now, having revisited it after you know eight years, um, there's a lot of it. I felt like I I'm catching on for the first time. Exactly. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, you know David's relationship you know, mm-hmm. further on, but but yeah, but the stuff with Brenda. Uh, yeah, again, I'm trying not to jump ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but know. stuff that she goes through, man, like uh, I need to see this again just to get you know, <laughs> a different perspective on it because it it, it definitely. Just having you know rewatched the pilots and now this episode recently, it is and now I'm like in my thirties, right? Uh, and, and I think David says in this episode he's like thirty one. I think Nate is maybe like thirty four. Oh shit, that's crazy. Uh-huh. So <laughs> seeing it now with my perspective, you know, after going through what I've gone through, yeah, I I would see this in in a different light than me seeing it in a, as a twenty year old. So their relationship, Brenda and Nate's. Oh man, I, I, I see that in a different light now. Uh, I I know where Nate's coming from, and I yes, not, exactly. Again, not to dive into something yeah. we shouldn't talk about, but you know, Brenda, she is a fully fleshed out character, and it, uh, I, I can see the intrigue that Nate has with her. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. 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 There, there's that mystery there, like you were yeah. saying earlier. There's that mystery there, and it's and Nate's so honest about her and himself. And what he kind of gets in return is just, just like how Brenda's mother said, just a master manipulator. There's always, there's always a hook at every every point. And again, this is me. And now we're so far past it; it's shit. We might as well talk about it. But that's me bringing what I know in the future into this episode alone. Um, right. But you're right. Yeah. There's there's intrigue and mystery there. Yeah, which which again I fully appreciate as a thirty year old. Yep, yep, yep. I guess as a twenty year old who didn't know much about relationships, exactly, and exactly, love and sex. You know, I I can bring a lot more to it now seeing it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely worth a good rewatch if you're if you're I'm 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 thirty, so I, I definitely think it's it's worth a good rewatch once you're you get a little bit more under your belt. You know, kind of how we watched it when we were younger. Ten years later, we look at it and we're like. Man, I see this show in a whole new light. And exactly, that's, that's... which is a credit to the show. Uh, I I of think course. I was I think uh, when I first saw the the entire series, I was more looking at looking at it through the eyes of of Claire, mm-hmm. uh, her being the youngest. Uh, mm-hmm. But now you know, oh boy, um, just rewatching the pilot, I connect with Nate more. <laughs> right, which is. Right. I guess says a lot about me, and <laughs> maybe not, maybe, right. not, not yeah. maybe not a lot of good. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, um, man, I connect with Nate a lot watching this now. Something you said in that first to last episode that I kind of felt tr- true here was that you had said that everyone here is at their best, and there are certain shows where that cast, just the way they kind of their chemistry and the way they gel together, they're at their best. You had even said that Michael C. Hall was in Dexter and that was everything, but I'm with you there that everyone here in this in this show is at their best. And I say that to say this is one of those shows where the, I, I want to say, I, I don't know, you tell me, I don't have a favorite character. I have... I identify with everyone at different points. I, I identify with Ruth's um, loneliness. You know, Claire's kind of... I don't know, rage against the machine for lack of a better term. You know, Nate's honesty, David's uh how would you classify David? Uh struggle. They, yeah, struggle. struggle. At least early on. Um do you have a favorite character or do you just kind of kind of just what I said, you kind of have an umbrella of everyone? I yeah, I'm I'm with you. I connect with with all these characters. Mm-hmm. I, I see myself 
and shades of myself in each and every one. I, I going back to Dave, like his insecurity, he's you know not sure of himself at times because he's you know he's a closeted you know gay man. I'm not mm-hmm. a closeted gay man, but I can relate. Mm-hmm. That's um, he's he's trying to live in a world where maybe he's he's not accepted. Um, right. And and yeah, I I relate with. Um, you know, with Ruth and Claire, uh, Frederico, like his his drive to you know to oh I don't want to spoil it but just <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead. It's so hard, I know it's, it's so hard. Something. It's but so yeah, hard. but but his drive later on, like I, I I can connect with that, and and even Brenda, just just her dealing with her family, I, I, I that's entirely relatable. So yeah, there are family dynamics here that I think, um, I hope that people connect with. And right. There's not one that really stands out. I mean, if I want to say he's my favorite, but like I said earlier, I really connect with Nate, mm-hmm. um, and it uh, the show does something special where, uh, I mean, it's it's not just Nate who you know he's the lead for lack of a better term, but you know the show gives you uh, the show puts the focus not just on Nate throughout the entire series. So it goes it goes throughout the entire family. Right. To one of, I would say, if I had to pick, kind of how you just said you closely uh, identify with Nate the most. Um, one of my, I don't know if I identify, but if I had to pick a favorite character, my favorite character would be David. And here in this scene, there's, I like this nice parallel where there's Keith and David, they're home watching a movie, and Claire and Ruth, as we discussed earlier, they're also watching a movie. And in this show, when you've watched it as much as I could, as I'd have, you pick up on these things where it's it's like blatantly obvious because they literally go from the scene of Ruth and Claire from watching home movies, movies at home, to Keith and David watching the home movies. And it just, you know, in an episode titled An Open Book and whatnot, I just like the little parallel there. And here's when we have, you know, David tells Keith about becoming a deacon. And what I loved here is Keith is so supportive of it, at least at first. And... What are your thoughts? I had thought that in these these first few episodes, Keith is, you know, I had said it earlier, Keith is a rock. Keith is such a supportive, great boyfriend. Yeah, I I love Keith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. He's, he's, he's the perfect boyfriend, supportive, and he wants to be part of, of, of David's life. And he wants David to be part of his life. Like, I think in this scene, Keith invites David to... Uh, a police ball, I want to yeah, say, yeah, or something like ball. that. Um, and yeah, I, man, I mean, again, another character who I really connect with is, is Keith, um, and, and just like his struggle to, you know, to be with David, um, you know, make him, you know, I, I think he's the one who, who later on says in this episode that, you know, a relationship is about work. I have to make things work. Right. Um, and yeah, uh, I can see where he's coming from and I, it does hurt me at times when, uh, they don't work out because I mean, if if I had to pick a favorite relationship, it'd be uh, Keith oh, it's, and David. Yeah, it's definitely theirs, and you kind of see, you, you know, the first few episodes, you kind of see it how Ray, uh, Keith is the rock, and David, and I understand why, but David's still kind of finding himself, and at least this first season, I know I'm jumping ahead, but this first season is is David being comfortable with his sexuality and. Keith is just always right there at the rock, you know, and I just really like that. I appreciate that in a character like Keith. Yeah, he's uh, he's the one who, who David, you know, goes to for support, and he's definitely there for that. When David is being interviewed by the head clergy, um, 
the father. And you know what? I don't, this is not a Catholic church, so whatever the terminology is to describe this person. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but let's just say the, I don't want to say the head honcho, that's being disrespectful. <laughs> the main religious person, he makes a joke and he says something, uh, blah, 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 and that would be a grave sin. And they all kind of laugh. Um, as a funeral director, the jokes, you, you know, the cemetery, everyone's dying to get in. It's a business everyone's dying to get into. This, when I watched it from my funeral director lens here, it's just, it made me cringe because it's like, God, do you know how many times I've heard that? This is oh over it, over. You have, I mean, just the constant, you know, all the jokes and whatnot. There has not been past, you know, the first year of me being a funeral director, there has never been a joke I've never not heard. It's always the same. I've heard them all. And if, if, if I like you, if I'm trying to be impressive, I'll laugh hysterical. If it's a joke, I've, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll just give you the, yep, yep, that's new, you know. <laughs> and when they're talking here, um, the, the deacon, I know he is a deacon, I know that for sure, is that he says, is there anything else you want to tell me? And David just goes, nope. Do you think he knows that David's gay? Because they talk, they ask about, they talk about it later, David and Keith, of whether or not this guy knows if if David's gay. I, I, th well, earlier on, don't they have that talk about um, David going to the church in oh, where was it? West Hollywood. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to say he does think so, and and yeah, he's he's being interviewed to be the deacon, and then that's again, I don't know who it is the. The, the, the higher up in the uh, in the church uh, mm -hmm. who is going to approve his uh, David being a deacon or not um, uh, yeah I I don't know I I think I, I think he does know uh, the, the higher up doesn't know obviously right I, I would I, say the higher up doesn't know but I think I, I I'm with you I think he does know yeah and it's just kind of seeing how much he'll David will let out right and yeah. I, I'm I'm assuming that you know the the uh, the priest who does know, uh, uh, like he knows what's you know that David revealing himself to be you know a gay man mm -hmm. wouldn't be seen, uh, wouldn't be taken as, as as well as it should in that church. Right. So uh, I, I think he's like giving him a pass at this point. <laughs> yeah, but, you know I, I get it. You know uh, many many people won't like it. You know, but it, but I think he really does believe that David would be a good deacon for the church. Of course, yeah, I definitely think she'd think that too. And you know, there's kind of the 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 bloodline fathered in because kind of how they discuss here that Nathaniel also was a deacon. So, but I would say too, and the show doesn't go into it as much. But I would also kind of as a viewer or just if you're thinking about it, it is it is a business move because right. kind of how I was saying earlier how important a church is to a funeral home. Um, it's sort of a business move. You know, you have your face up there every day, and you know. That's something just to take into account that the show doesn't necessarily get into, but I know why the show chose to put this in there, you know? Right, yeah. It, it, uh, it It's definitely there for, yeah, I mean, you just put it, uh, well, that it, it's, a Dave, it's, it's David's business move. Mm -hmm. He's thinking about the business first and foremost. When Ruth forces Claire to go spend the night at the Cousins, there was a funny moment here where... So we're, we're, we're in a similar age, and I don't even know if it's the same way today with schooling, but we used to have to beg our parents to, to write a note. Right, you know, yeah. To, yeah. And what shows the truly dysfunction of this relationship is Ruth demands, 
you know, she she in, she orders uh, Claire that she'll write a note. You know, you're not going to school. I'm gonna write a note, and that's just a great flip of a normal you know parent relationship. Is mom? No, no, you're not going to school. And here's a note. <laughs> and, and even before that, Claire's like, I have homework. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, even, right. With it's like stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like uh, Claire uh, is doing all she can to not, you know, hang out with with her mom. Yeah, yeah. And imagine that you don't want you you don't want to hang out with your mom so much you you'll go to school at that <laughs> age. It's it's good God. <laughs> when they are at the cousin's house, they're uh, talking about schools. Claire and I believe her name is Jenny. Claire and Jenny are talking about schools. And what I like is you know Claire can't even fathom staying in the same town, and it, it's such a contrast to. How Jenny believes is, you know, she gives all the pros, let's say, of how her idea of just being college close to home is, you know, Claire's like, why why would you want to stay in this shithole? <laughs> you know, just a perfect contrast of how were we discussing earlier, just a perfect, you know, I'm using air quotes here, you know, perfect, perfect family and whatnot. Right, yeah. Which I mean, you know, I I can totally relate with somebody wanting to stay close to home. Of course. But I, I'm with Claire on this, uh, mm-hmm. and this is a big reason why I saw this series through Claire's eyes when I first saw this years mm-hmm. and years ago. Um, I'm, I'm the one who would want, and I have, you know, moved away from home, right, know, for, for my own reasons. Um, so yeah, I'm with Claire on this. But again, not to take away from anybody who wants to, you know, stick close to home. Mm-hmm. But I, I would rather, you know, move pretty far away. I, lo- I, would- I, love, I, lo- I love my parents <laughs> though. But, you know, <laughs> yep, I yep. I'm with you and. You know, there, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things when people say who like this show, and maybe I'm mass generalizing here, and so be it. Maybe I should do more research before I say something like this. But I, I ha- how do I say this? For, for starters, there's never people. I've never met anyone who's lukewarm about the show. It's either uh, it's either I didn't like it or one of the greatest shows. There's kind of no middle ground. Right. And what I'm saying that to say is. I think this show kind of relates to a lot of people. I moved away from home too, and I don't want to say this show was an inspiration, but there was just part of it in there of kind of how you relate to Claire and and Nate. There's just there's something about expanding your horizons, which kind of what moving away from home is. You know, you're you're always used to how it's done, and again, it's 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 you know, no one to take offense. There's nothing wrong with with staying home staying home you have a great foundation and everything some people kind of like you and me and i'm sure a bunch of others and in today's age in 2016 is you know expanding your horizons and moving out of home and just seeing a different world you know yeah and and that that's a good phrase uh that that you're using uh, just expanding your horizons i think six feet under is definitely about that right um right uh, you know not to jump ahead any but i think ruth definitely has quite of an arc ahead of her, uh, her <laughs> expanding her horizons trying out new things and, and yeah and that goes you know uh, the, and that's also the same for a lot of the characters on the show it's all about just just just, just getting you know getting to know the world mm-hmm. and that's one one big theme that's <laughs> that goes with the show uh kind of like how i was saying earlier there's a lot of and i've been saying it a bunch of times just you know they the same thing just flipped on its on its different pattern is when the cousin is talking she says before she says the word ass, you know, she says, pardon my French. <laughs> and then, but then you have Claire who, 
you if you know Claire up to this point, she's just she curses a lot and that's that's her character, that's her and just to see now, you know, they have the four of them in the house with Ruth, her cousin, and the two daughters, Claire and Jenny, and just that again, like I just said before about the you know, the note and I'm gonna write the note for you to stay home and then here you have, you know, pardon my French just to say the word ass and you know, the way Claire curses like a sailor. <laughs> Just showing you what what complete opposites they are from a perfect relationship. Yeah, and I love that joke when they're playing Scrabble, right? And, yep, yep. And Claire uh, puts down H <laughs> E L L. <laughs> much, much, to, much to the chagrin of of, of the cousin. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, there's a point and where where Ruth's cousin tries to console Ruth with uh, Nathaniel's passing, and just seeing this and it's it's a common thread i like to hit probably almost in every episode now is the the consoling or something that people do the the empty gestures in, in this episode in particular I, you know i find it offensive it, but she goes a little bit overboard about how her divorce comparing it to you know ruth losing her husband you know just talking about moving on and everything and thankfully ruth puts her in her place Oh, sorry. I was gonna say it's a great moment for for Ruth, who uh, in the last few episodes has been, you know, uh, opening up more and more. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's terrible the reason why she has to do this because of of, of her husband's passing. But it, it's it, it it's a good you know character uh, character trait that's happening where she's opening up, uh, right. and re-expressing herself. Yeah, and just and just in just a way, and here it's when we see too the way kind of Ruth goes back at her cousin, um, you know, kind of puts her in a place. And that's the moment where we see Claire finally kind of empathize with her mom. It's finally, you know, I, you know, she forgets that she also lost someone and it's the way for Claire to finally, now she gets it. That was the turning moment in their relationship in this episode, at least. Yeah. It's, it's a great moment for, for, for those two. Mm-hmm. Um, Anya and the the cousin and and, the, and her daughter are trying to get them to go. What was it to to, to a to spin class? Spin class. That's right. what it is. <laughs> At six a.m. in the morning. Like yeah, that's, that's I mean, their, screw that. That's their plan. <laughs> <laughs> Even watching on a TV show, I'm like, yeah, I'm out on that. <laughs> and another, I mean, a, a a a perfect bonding moment for for Claire and Ruth is them escaping the house. Right. 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 Uh, and and I love that moment between them. It really helps with their relationship. Yeah, it's 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 and everyone kind of somewhat gets one here. It's their their coming to fruition moment, you know. And 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 the arc that they take, it, it really made me happy. And I will get to it in a little later. That another moment that it just really made me smile. And I kind of did. I've been calling it fist pump moments where I'm watching. I just kind of go, yeah, you know. It was a little fist pump. Is you know they're not going to the spin class watching a movie. They would rather escape the cousin's house and. You know that's that's really their their complete circle for this episode. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, again, I uh, we're like five episodes into the series, mm-hmm. and you know that that bond is is there. You see it like uh, f- pretty much fully formed. This this um, this struggle to to be together uh, right. between Claire and Ruth. When Nate shows up to Brenda's house after the whole parents meeting and whatnot, Brenda has. This probably is an actual law of physics. I I didn't do any research into it, but she says the vit that you know, let me quote her here that the very act of observation changes that which is being observed. Right. Yeah, I've, and, I've heard that before. Yeah. 
Oh, so that is an actual yeah, that is so an actual rule. Okay, that's pretty yeah. cool. I like that line because it's like, yeah, of course. It's 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 how you know you ever. I'm taking this into the most simplest form, but you know, you ever do an impression and someone's like, "Hey, do that impression." It's like, "Oh, don't ask me to do it. Let me just do it." You know, <laughs> that I think that's what's perfect here. You know, and I just love how Nate's Nate's just his organic reaction to everything when him and Brenda are kind of finding this out is, it's just you know, what the hell's going on? You know, Nate's like every time I kind of press forward, you kind of push back. Yeah, exactly. This is the moment where I do really like I, I putting myself in Nate's shoes. I think I do the same thing. Uh, I would be like, "What is going on? I do not understand." <laughs> right this, again, this mind effery that's happening. Exactly. Exactly. Like, who's, who's like? Am, I'm. He thinks he's like part of a game and a pawn <laughs> in, in these people's on these people's chessboard. So yeah, I right. Would, I'd be just as upset as Nate. Nate is rightfully upset with her. Of course. And, 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 and oh, sorry, one more thing. Like, and, and Brenda brings up how he's, you know, starting to be scared off of uh, her high IQ. It's like 180, I think. that's what Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just this past she has with her parents, uh, that book that they wrote about her. Right. Um, all that is coming to play. And, of course, yeah. uh, Nate is... He's still very much intrigued by her. I, I, they had this chemistry between them. It's undeniable. So he he does reluctantly say, you know, let's still try to make this work. And with everything you've been saying and how we've been talking about their relationship, and you already mentioned him, as if the relationship between Nate and Brenda wasn't messed up enough, it's the first time we get an actual introduction into Billy. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you have a perfect two plus two and then here's, you know, kind of just the letter M. And it's just like, what is this person, Billy? I In this episode, and we all, we get a very short introduction of him and he's somewhat uh, threatens Nate, but not really. As, as far as we are in this episode, uh, in this season, I kind of can't say anything else. But it's just it's just an odd introduction and it's what they've been kind of teasing up until this point. Yeah, it's it's a purposefully odd introduction because I mean, uh, I think he gets teased in the pilot. If, if I he's, remember right, he's it the, the the it's a really quick ten seconds, maybe less. Brenda's on the phone, and Billy is just Brenda's on the phone. Billy just kind of walks behind her, go into the refrigerator, and That's he's right. sobbing hysterical. That's right. They yeah. don't tell you who he was, why he's crying. You know, he's just a person who comes in and out. Yeah, and and now uh, you're introduced to him, mm-hmm. and yeah, we don't want to jump ahead, but man, the it's uh, the, I if if you do have him back on for future episodes, <laughs> you know, I'd love to talk more about Billy, but he he's something else, uh, right? And and yeah, he's introduced, and there's just enough of a tease to keep you intrigued, uh, and you should be. He's, yeah, he's quite a character. <laughs> I like when David is, you know, we kind of have these moments where the the ghost of, you know, the people who have died in our episode, you know, they come to whoever they're working on, they come to in the ghost form. And I liked how David saw how being a, ta- uh, a porn star was kind of just as taboo as being gay. And the way I forgot what I was going to call her, Veronica St. John. I liked how she kind of reels him in. It's like, so you think... I'm not going to say the word because I don't like saying that word, but do you think being an F is the same as being a porn star? And David's that, 
I don't want to say embarrassed or whatever, but he has that much shame about both. I you know it's just funny to see, and especially two thousand one. Yeah, it's 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 a great little little scene between them. It's it's really short too, but it, it, it yeah. packs a punch. It it uh, um, it plays into his arc in this episode, uh, and like you said, it, like it, he he's just as like ashamed of, of of being gay as as he would think a porn star would be ashamed. But you know, she's this Vivica Saint John, as I say, learns later on in the episode, like. She was free. She was open. Like the people around her were accepting of her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he sees that. And I, I think, and 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 you tell me my, your opinion on this. Like he sees, he's kind of jealous of that. Like he wants to be in that, you know, in that surrounding, being accepted by people. I think it's a constant struggle he has of just wanting to be accepted. Right. But yeah. he himself, and it's kind of that term. You can't make someone else happy if you're not happy yourself. How can he accept it if he's if he can't even accept himself being gay? You know. Yeah, exactly. So, it's it uh, this episode for him. It, it's 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 a great little um, little arc he's going through. Um, mm-hmm. I feel for him. Uh, did we pass the scene where where he's with um, was with Keith and and Nate uh, comes along? Is that is that coming up? That that was my and I really wanted to touch on this. That was my second kind of fist pump moment when they're sitting at breakfast and Nate and Brenda come out and they kind of run into each other. It's kind of that moment where David has to make a decision. Is this the is this my racquetball friend again or is this someone more? What did yeah. you for me for me personally, I'll let you go ahead, but for me personally when 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 David goes to finally hold Keith's hand I, I smiled. I got really happy being invested in in the character. I, it made me really happy that he was at least able to be comfortable in front of his brother. Yeah, I was, I was ecstatic actually yeah. when. Yeah. Um, I'm sure back when I first saw this, and then just seeing it again now, because I had actually forgotten when. I, I mean, I don't want to. I mean, is it a spoiler to say he reveals that he's gay to his family? I mean, no, no, not not really. It, it's. It's it's bound to happen. I mean, this mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. but you know, just the way that he reveals, right? To whom he reveals it to, and and when, yeah, um, it's important. Yeah, and I I really I forgot that this was the episode where he reveals it to Nate, right? And that made me happy that this is this is the episode we're discussing now because it's it it's a it's a beautiful little little moment. Yeah, um, you see, Nate is you know first like shocked, but then quickly like. Uh, happy for him he doesn't know what to say right he's like oh wow great okay <laughs> exactly he's, he's at a loss for words and 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 yeah it's it's again like this episode is filled with uh, important steps in these characters and that's one of the most important steps that david has, has has taken is revealing to his brother that he's gay uh, that's his first i i, I think his first family member that he's, that he's revealed it to. Uh, Claire has like her. I'm gonna suspicion. say yeah. Claire Claire has suspicion. I I spoke about this in in my pilot episode. Is that girls in general just have better gaydar than men. Right. <laughs> um, but Claire kind of knows, but they don't ever touch on that. But and kind of what you're saying, if David was to come out to anyone first, it would have to be Nate. There's, I don't think there's anyone as understanding as Nate, especially right. his, you know just the fact that he's his brother. Exactly, and again, I mean Nate is—he uh, was living in Seattle as essentially a hippie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, working at a co-op. So of course, mm-hmm. 
he'd be completely understanding of it and and yeah i it's it's a funny little scene and um uh nate and brenda's you know uh, reaction to it afterwards like after walking away that's that's funny and also david and keith's uh you know talk talking about nate's reaction and that was funny too yeah and you know kind of just as happy as i was about this that he let's call it he semi came out i'm kind of heartbroken a, a few moments later when keith reacts to david not coming to the church you know and if you remember this scene you know keith kind of flips out that david doesn't want to come because he's still as comfortable as david is so far coming out just to his brother he's not ready to go public and that kind of really upsets keith and again it, it had a swing of emotions and shit that's what kind of this show does is I went from really happy to really sad for their relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, again, uh, Keith and David's relationship, my favorite of the series. Mm-hmm. And, man, uh, at the end of this episode, they are essentially broken up. I, he, yeah, Keith has had enough right. of, of David's um, hiding himself from others. And, yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, it, it's heartbreaking. Um, I, I feel for, for Keith uh, having... Having to do this, I mean, he's he's being put in a corner. Like he doesn't want to keep hiding the relationship, and I feel for David for not being ready to you know be out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, he will love nothing but to to be out there with Keith. But of course, he doesn't know how you know, the rest of his family will take it, or the people at church, right? You know, Frederico and, and uh, everybody he knows. He's just not ready to take that step yet. And mm-hmm. of course, Keith does love him, but he can't just keep hiding. Uh, yeah, like like David wants to. And we see a little bit later, and there's kind of the two characters kind of go through the same thing. Is if you remember when they're at the funeral for the porn star, David kind of becomes more comfortable with the uncomfortability. It's kind of after Keith kind of, let's say they break up. I don't know if he officially says it, but the way they kind of storm off and where they are in the relationship, um, you know, if you remember, the porn actress is a porn actress is speaking at the service and she kind of interrupts David making arrangements with another family. And I feel like earlier David would have freaked out that this, for lack of a better term, I hate the, she's, she's dressed not the proper way, not proper to me. I just mean in public and you know, it, it illustrates she is someone different and she just kind of barges into David's arrangements that she's making. And instead of David freaking out and, you know, being all business, like, He's really okay with it. He really, he's glad that he helped someone. And he's just a little bit more comfortable in his skin after everything that kind of just happened. Yeah, it's, again, it, yeah, like you were saying, it, it's a step forward uh, for David. Uh, he would not have taken too kindly to, to this happening. Right, even, right. Even in the pilot. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, after going through what he went through with Keith and also just, he's, he's slowly uh kind of accept uh, uh, accepting what Nate is offering for the business like Nate has has been saying that this funeral in particular with the porn star would make them a lot of money mm-hmm. <laughs> right uh, like eight thousand dollars and it would help them fix the AC right. unit that they're, they're having problems with and David's like okay let's let's do it and yeah he's more accepting of it he's more a bit open to you know non-traditional 
mm-hmm. you know, funerals uh, and, and and how they do business. So yeah, it, it it's an improvement for David for sure. And kind of the same way I was just saying how David gets a little bit more comfortable with the uncomfortable uh, when Ruth admits the affair to Claire. It's you know kind of a truth reality forcing moment. The, the truth hurts when Claire kind of just tells her that we're weird, we are different, and that's what you would need to accept. So here again, and you know, there's a little moment from Ruth that she accepts the weirdness, and she 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 has to accept the weirdness in order to have a relationship with her daughter, and kind of how David has to accept who he is in order to enjoy a relationship with Keith. I, I like that moment again. It was another moment, like I said, just said with with Ruth and Claire. I like the moment of that realization, sort of forcing this perfect relationship that probably doesn't exist. Accept, accept the weirdness of it. Accept that it's different. Accept that it's strange. You know. Yeah, and and to be completely open with mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's when Ruth um, confesses to Claire that she was having an affair. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and of course Claire is, you know, taken aback, but completely understanding of it. I mean, you know, fortunately it happens. You know, infidelity, and but they have to they have to move past it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just accept it again I, I mean an open book is a perfect name for this it episode. really is it really so is so much is revealed to a lot of people a lot of characters and yeah uh, an important step forward for Claire and Ruth like Claire like <laughs> it, it is heartbreaking when when, uh, when Claire has to say to Ruth like I have to go to school like, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. It, it's Monday morning I, can, I, I have to go right and Ruth um, goes to the kitchen and is kind of like looking down at the ground, and, and Claire sees her, and Claire's like, "Oh, like you can see in Claire's face, it's like, oh man, I don't, I don't feel good about this. I have to, I, I have to be there for her. I have to right. be there for my mom." Right. And then we kind of end our episode, and the way I, my gut reaction when I, when I, when I rewatch this end of this episode, Brenda kind of takes, uh, I want to say, a, a sledgehammer kind of to everything that we kind of just discussed because if you remember they're outside of church and you know Brenda Brenda her quote is I think it's all totally random and again this also goes to kind of what we were talking about religion she says I think it's all totally random we live we die ultimately nothing means anything and she goes on to say sometimes (laughs) sometimes I wake up so empty I wish I had never been born but what chance do I have you want to talk about agnostic (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there is, there is just, there's well, no, there's no filler there. There's that's life. Well, um, it's I, as soon as you brought this up, I, I had to think back to something that was said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it was when Nate was with uh, her parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, her mom. Brenda's mom says to Nate, like, "Oh, I don't think Brenda believes in coincidences or something to that effect." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Um, and 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 to her, and for Brenda to at that point, yeah, you know, jumping back to to the to the scene we're discussing, mm-hmm. for Brenda to say like, no, like nothing means anything. Essentially, there is no God. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it it may have been you know purposefully forceful, <laughs> right, to, right, to open Nate's eyes to <laughs> like at, to at, see at, what you're at, getting into exactly. And, and, and at that point, um, like they're I guess officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Like she. Uh, gave Nate's the know, key. sort of keys, yeah, and, and 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 yeah, going back to that you know, that that uh, that uh, lunch meeting, well, not meeting, running into between mm-hmm. Nate and Brenda and Keith and David, 
um, David introduces. Oh, sorry, Nate introduces Brenda as her, you know, as as his yeah. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And of course, Brenda says, "Oh, I'm his. Was it F puppet or something? F buddy. Yep, yep. F buddy. F buddy. So it, it it's 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 a constant back and forth between those two. There's it, the episode doesn't end, or there's never really a for maybe like a few fleeting moments of these two on like the same ground. Right, right. <laughs> Brenda always has to have the like last word or the one." sledgehammer to the face moment <laughs> yes and that's exactly what this is it's just yeah, and that's it like she has to have she has to have the upper hand on, <laughs> always, on always always always, yep. always yeah. and that kind of wraps up our episode do you have any you know what's funny about this episode is that there is here we just did a podcast an episode where there's a porn star who died and we very quickly talked about it the porn star isn't as prominent as usual a death is in a six feet under typical episode but you would think if i told you beforehand we're going to discuss an episode where a porn star dies we'd be discussing a lot more porn or anything even related and we've kind of all the relationships were far more important than that and i think that's that's kind of a testament to six feet under I wanted to get into something and I kind of was reading message boards because it didn't even it didn't even cross my mind until I read a comment. There's a scene where Rico they're at the funeral and they're wondering how Rico got the porn star's breast to uh, look proper for lack it's of a better the, term. Yeah, this is the question I wanted to ask go you. Go ahead. So, uh, I'm glad you're covering it. No, I, I think you're going to go into it. Go ahead. Well, so Rico goes on to say how he used can of cat food to kind of straighten them out it didn't even occur to me until i read a comment on i forget what message board but i read a comment that he wasn't talking about actual cans he was literally talking about cat food did that cross your mind at all I, no, you know what? Now that I think about it, I was thinking of like the cans. I was think I've always thought about the cans, but when yes, I read I. when I read the comment that it was the actual cat food, like he opened the can, took the f- cat food out, and stuffed it there, because right before that line, and again, I went back and watched the scene a couple times just to try and see if they, they which one was it? He does say this. Ah, oh God, it's it's epoxy epoxy industrial filling. Now, that is. The, has the same molding or texture of actual cat food taken out of the can. Oh, okay. So let me start here. What was your question regarding yeah, my this? Question, yeah, regarding this, and I, I mean, uh, I thought it was cans of cat food. Yes, me too. Me too. But I guess my, my question for you, uh, from your perspective, you know, working as a funeral uh, director, uh, uh-huh. How I mean, is that a normal thing? <laughs> I mean, do is, <laughs> to to you know f- you know cosmetically fix um, these these bodies? Like, is that a, I don't know. It, it it seems too bizarre to to work like the, like adding this this odd thing in, into these bodies. I don't know. I mean, like, what's from your perspective? Like, is that a normal thing to do? Funeral homes are probably the number one. We probably keep cat food industry alive just by how much oh, really? cat- no 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 that's a little known fact no one knows no uh when he had said the cat food i had no ne- i had it my when i first heard it my eyes opened and then when i when he taught when i realized he was maybe talking about literally taking the cat food out i was like all right this is a little too far from what i know so mostly 
Mostly what would happen is in the embalming process, you use a lot of cotton. Just picture cotton swabs. There's, it, it's, it's absorbent, so therefore it absorbs fluids and whatnot. In a moment like this, in order to fill out, let me say this, a, a, a deceased when they're at the casket, it's a presentation. Kind of how I was saying earlier that, uh, you know, a, a, a church a church or a mass, it's a presentation, it's, it's a show. The deceased and the casket at your funeral home, it's a presentation. Part of, and the, we, uh, funeral directors, we use a lot of, for lack of a better term, optical illusions. And what I mean by that is a woman, no matter, let, let me just say above a certain age, above an appropriate age, we will fill out sometimes the, the breast area because it just looks better in the casket. Right. A woman like this, she's already full, for lack of a better term. And then they were talking about contorting just because kind of one was sitting one way, whatnot. And I know women every if women everywhere, any woman that's listening to this, a bra is why women, you know, that will that will shape you right into place. So in terms of that. I, there, there's never been a reason why I had to use something to even it out. There's never I been guess. anything like that. There is moments, though, that you, you know, we, 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 we call it sometimes, or at least people I work with, we call it give them a little bit more personality. It just kind of, you know, the same way you wear a suit and you fill out a suit nice. You know, sometimes you got to picture um, a lot of people, a lot of the industry, we have people who die who are older and they've lost a lot of weight. So their suit doesn't fit as well. You know, if you kind of picture an old man in a suit, it's kind of too big. It's really cute. But in a casket, it kind of looks... What's the word I want to say here? It doesn't look fitting. It kind of looks like a child in a big man suit. Right. Uh, a little industry insider tip here is we kind of fill out the suit. And, and it just gives... It provides a much nicer look. The person just looks more presentable, looks more healthy, to be honest, you know? Um... So kind of the same way we fill out a man suit is the same way we would fill out a woman. Just give, you know, make her look a little bit more healthy. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how that part of it goes, you know? Yeah, I see. Yeah, so no, like, uh, weird foreign objects. <laughs> no. <in there>. no. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the most foreign object that would go in there is, like I said, cotton. And I that's see, just, yeah. just to kind of fill it out. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I was hoping that you weren't thinking it was cat food because I wanted to get your honest reaction when it's literally the cat food, and it never even crossed my mind until I did research for it. And your reaction is was pretty funny because it's like, <laughs> no, I never even that didn't cross my mind. We thought cans. I, yeah. I, I I mean yeah, I thought cans. Um, maybe they just. And I think it, I think I thought cans when I first saw this, like you know, yeah, eight years yeah, ago. It's like, yeah. It has to be cans. So yeah, that that's kind of like, oh, okay, I see. I guess <laughs> I guess they needed to award it differently. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. Um and and oops, they I mean, the, the, you know, the dialogue can't all be perfect, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> well, uh Marcelo, that is the end of our episode. Um if you can please again tell everyone where they can find you and what you do. Yes, I mean, first off, thank you, Victor, yeah. for having me on. Thank it you. was such a good time. I love this show. I love talking mm -hmm. about it. Um, as for me, follow me on Twitter at Marcelo J. Pico. Um, also follow the Talk Film Society on Twitter at Talk Film SOC. Go to TalkFilmSociety.com for some good film writing uh, and podcasts. I mean, I have the Talk Film Society podcast. I have Hey What You're Watching. 
and a few more. And yeah, do that, uh, folks, if you like listening to my voice. Great. Thank you so much, Marcelo. Um, Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, Please subscribe to me on SoundCloud or iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. You can email me at diggingsixfeetunder at gmail.com with any questions, thoughts, or criticism. I have to say, uh, most of my episodes have been fairly concise, and there's not much room for, how do I say this, um... I didn't offend anyone, and I think in this episode, I don't think we offended anyone, but I think there's definitely stuff people will disagree with, just kind of how the stuff we touched upon. And I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and, and again, our my goal, I don't know about you, my goal is not to offend anyone, or I just, these are just kind of my views, and this show kind of, you know, brings that stuff out. And you could tweet at Marcelo, too so I don't get all of it. You could tweet yes, me. <laughs> you could tweet me at uh, I'm at Digging Podcast. Uh, I post these on Reddit at reddit.com backslash r backslash six feet under for my post. And join me next week as I'll be discussing episode six of season one of Six Feet Under titled The Room. And I have special guest and actually California licensed funeral director, Vanessa McPolin. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under, and the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.